Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. Welcome, welcome, everyone, to another episode of Geek Vibes Interview, brought to you by Geek Vibes Nation. I'm your host, Don Fisher, and today I have with me actor, writer, producer, and timing director extraordinaire, here to talk about his newly released <laughs> film, House Sitter, The Night They Save Siegfried's Brain, the one and only Richard Gasparian. How are you doing? Hey, Dom. Man? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? You hear me I'm okay? I'm pretty good. Yeah, you sound great. Okay, good. Okay, excellent. Um, I'm doing excellent. I'm doing excellent. Thanks so much for having me today. Yeah, how's everything been uh, going for you with all this quarantining, lockdown situation? Oh, it is strange days, definitely. Uh, we are living in, <laughs> that is for sure. Uh, but it's, you know, uh, the animation business is booming right now. Um, I've been working from home just like everybody else on, on most of the shows. And and uh, we're releasing a movie, so... It's a perfect time to release a movie. You know, there's people are stuck inside and looking for entertainment. You know, we got for just a sure. thing for them. Yeah. How about yourself? How, how are you dealing with it? Uh, I mean, it's a little harder on my uh, on my wife than it is for me. Uh, mm-hmm. She's working from home and then also doing uh, homeschooling stuff. Uh, Oh, so yeah. yeah, yeah. So that's been a little difficult, uh, and I'm kind of like ripping and running everywhere. So <laughs> the, some of that, some of that burden kind of falls more on her than it does me. Sure, sure. I can understand. I can understand. <laughs> so um, we'll jump right into it. So Hal Sitter, the night they saved Siegfried's brain. Uh, why don't you give mm-hmm. everyone kind of a a rundown of what it's about? Well. It's about a Elvis-obsessed medical student trying to work on a theory of brain transformation, and he's mentored by Doc Crosby, who turns out to be a mad scientist who's also doing brain experiments. And the student, Andy, is using rats, but Doc is using humans. And he needs 13 human brains for his brain pyramid so that he can transfer information from one brain into another. It's you know totally doable if you have the right equipment. <laughs> uh, so the, uh, the movie was shot in 1987, and the movie was completed in, at the end of 2018. And we did a little film festival for a year, and now it's released to the general public. And I, I know that might sound like a, strange concept to shoot a movie in <laughs> 1987 and finish it 30 years later. Uh, that's what happened. It yeah, was that, uh, and it's, saved. I, Go ahead. Oh yeah. I was just going to say like, uh, it's, it's, just, it's crazy. Like hearing it that, cause I wasn't, I wasn't born yet. I was born in 88. So like, <laughs> I was like, Oh man, it was shot like the year before I was born. Like that's an hour release. That's crazy. Yes. And what you know, was, it, uh, it started as, as uh, so about a third of the movie is in black and white. It's an homage mm-hmm. to 50s and 60s sci-fi. That's the, the mad scientist laboratory. So when you're inside his laboratory, it's the black and white world of the past. 
And when you're outside the laboratory, it's the color world of 80s horror. So the intention was to, you know, create an homage to those 50s, 60s sci-fi, but by virtue of the fact that the movie didn't get finished till 30 years, it's become an homage to 80s horror as well. So it's kind of right. a, you know, a tip of a hat to both of those genres. Yeah, and I got a, I, I viewed it last night, and I thought it was great. It's I love 80s horror like a lot. Like that whole and it, and it, and I could I could feel like it fit perfectly right in line with everything that was coming out at that time, um, especially since being born in the late 80s, as I grew up, most of the things I watched mm-hmm. were from the 80s. Um, so I, I could feel the whole vibe, and I felt like the comedy was great, especially when, you know, realizing, the, uh, you know, the self-actualization of, like, this room is black and white, and I know it's black and white. That was great to me. <laughs> um, I think one of my, my favorite lines was in, the, was in the beginning when he's like, I can't tonight. I have to give my son a haircut. Like, it was so <laughs> dramatic. It was great. Um, good. good. Uh, the the so, actor uh, who played who plays the doctor is, uh, um, he's no longer with us. He's, he's passed since the filming of the movie, but he was an amazing guy, an amazing actor, and just brought so much to the movie. He's just the classic melodramatic mad <laughs> scientist. Yeah, it fit perfect. Um, so, what was uh, why was there a delay? Why did why release it now? What was like the reason why it couldn't be released back then? Yes, uh, you know, it could have it could have ended up on the heap of unfinished movies where there's a you know a big old pile of movies that got shot and did get finished, and that's basically what happened. We the the movie was intended to be much smaller production than it was. Right. We were going to shoot it in Los Angeles in okay. a ranch-style house with a guest house. And when we decided to go back to Kalamazoo, Michigan, where my partner Robin is from, and both he and I went to college there, uh, Western Michigan University. So we went back to Kalamazoo, and we got this castle, the Henderson Castle, the castle on the hill, the coolest house in town. Right. And from there, the production value just went up, 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 and we ran with it. But what it did is it ate up our budget. So once we finished uh, shooting, we were out of money. So we had to go about trying to find some money to finish the movie and to try to find distribution. So you got a flashback to 1987. Right. This was a this was a time when you could make a horror movie relatively inexpensive and get it on video, get it over to the warehouse or Blockbuster, you know, Friday night, everyone would go and line up to rent their videos, and that was the game plan. We just couldn't get past the finish line with it financially. We would, we were first-time filmmakers, we were, you know, it's a treacherous world for first-time filmmakers. Uh, right. So we would find people, we made a cool 20-minute teaser reel and put some really cool music to it, and we took it around town, and we would find companies that, loved the movie, didn't have any money to help us finish it, but they say, hey, when it's done, bring it back. Or we'd go to another company that had the money and they wanted to take it from us. So we were, we were in a tough situation, and it was, it was taking a long time. It was, it was difficult for my partners. Uh, my partner, Robin, and his, his brother, Mark, Mark's the executive producer. The three of us 
it was a difficult journey. And uh, we finally made a deal with a company. We were ready to go to the American film market. We were in the trades listed as one of their films. And at the last minute, they switched, <laughs> pulled the old bait and switch oh, on us no. and gave us oh, a contract. No. And we said, we cannot sign this. And they said, well, we're not going to rep you. And we said, okay. And then the door kind of closed and, and we were uh, beaten up pretty good. It was, it was a treacherous thing. And, you know, I mean, I have a wife too, and she's like, okay, you know, let's, what are you going to do? You're not going to live with this movie forever. And it, right. it sort of sat on, sat unfinished. And then you fast forward 27 years, 28 years. And my partner, Robin, uh, was working at Disney and the laboratory that processed our film, uh, the movie was shot on 35 millimeter, by the way, <clears throat> excuse me. So the lab that processed our film and our negative was right across the street from the studio. One day at lunch, mm. a friend, his buddy there encouraged him to go over and go over and see if the, the film is still there all these years. So they went to the lab, went to the desk, asked about the film, you know, got a strange look from the woman behind the desk, like, you know, what year? <laughs> you know, 1987. <laughs> and sure enough, they had our negative. And he called me and he said, hey, I got the negative. Because over the years, we'd always talked about, hey, you know, we should go back and finish it. Well, now, right. you know, all these years later, now I'm, I'm a director and, work, you know, having worked in animation for 25 years, uh, it's a little different. I'm not a first-time filmmaker anymore. So the first thing I did was take that negative and make a 4K transfer. And now I had mm. a digital version of the movie. And I sat down at my kitchen table and recut the picture. Uh, took about nine or ten minutes out of it. Rearranged a few scenes. And we got our cut done. Now the next challenge was the sound. So my partner Robin again um, met a guy. They struck up a friendship. And it turned out that this guy works up at Skywalker Sound. Up oh, wow. near San Francisco. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he asked him, he asked him if he'd take a look at our movie, just, you know, came up in conversation. He showed him the movie. Um, he asked him, how's the sound? And he said, it sucks. It's terrible. <laughs> uh, so he looked at it. He liked it. And he agreed to redo all of our sound. So, uh, we got the friends and family price. And ended up going up to Skywalker uh, on multiple sessions and re redesigning, re, you know, fixing up all the sound, making new sound effects, cleaning everything up, taking out bad sounds. Uh, it was pretty amazing. Uh, filling in lots of foley and and all kinds of atmosphere things. And now we had a really nice cut and really good sound, and we still needed to address the picture. And through another friend, another couple of connections, we hooked up with some guys, the uh, top guy over at Paramount, a post-production, and they came in and they did all the color correction and fixed, you know, any bumps in the film. Because, uh, you know, it's old film stock, right, 30 years right. old. Uh, cleaned up any dust and debris. Uh, there's also the issue of going from color to black and white and black and white to color back and forth. So... Right. Color timing was all taken care of. And now we have, wow, we have a finished movie now, finally. So uh, it was really, really cool and very exciting. So, and no one had seen it in all these years. So we, we entered a couple of film festivals. 
uh, with some good success. And, and now we find ourselves here. We got uh, distribution with a company called Leo Mark studios and, um, they're, uh, really great. They love the movie. We like them. So here we are. And it's perfect timing for October, scary Halloween, fun kind of thing. Lots of laughs and, uh, lots of murders and, uh, you know, just the right, right thing. Yeah. It seems like, like it was destined. Like, I mean, since everything fell into place with the meet this person, it it was like, Oh, this is, is a weirdly a kismet thing that all this is falling in place like that. It, you know what? It it has been, you know, aside from the the layoff of all those years, the the project was like that from the beginning. When we shot in Kalamazoo, basically the whole town came out and they were a part of it. They all contributed. It was a great big old love fest. If you can, you know, imagine right. that on a movie shoot. And right. and post production post production was the same. I mean both. Um, especially Skywalker, they were just, I mean, they couldn't have been nicer to, uh, you know, they liked the story of, you know, reviving a movie that had been sitting dormant for all these years. And, and uh, they were just really good to us. And it, it's been a really good vibe around the movie um, all the way, all the way. So I'm anxious. We're actually right now we're like waiting for the streaming, the distributors, saying like any day now because of the COVID thing. Um, right. Well, Am- Amazon for sure, they're they're backed up and not in their normal schedule. So like I keep bugging him and he keeps bugging them and, <laughs> you know, so it's like any day now it's available for streaming and I can't wait. And uh, actually I'm going to see if maybe we can get on some other platforms to, to get it out there because I know people want to see it and I want people to see it. Yeah, that'd be perfect. Uh, and yeah. the timing, I feel like the timing is 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 very good because I know that over the past couple years, and you were very, you and Robin were very ahead of your time as writing this, because uh, I know <laughs> over the past like three to four years, I've been reading online about like people wanting to, like scientists wanting to go into figuring out how to download consciousness or brain transplants or head transplants or all these things possible because, you know, everybody wants to live for as long as possible. They do. Uh, If not forever. Absolutely. I mean, that is a classic sci-fi kind of thing, the brain that wouldn't die. And, you know, the mad scientist always looking to do something outside the bounds of, uh, you know, of reason and, you know, like I think Andy says to his professor, you know, who are you to decide what's good for man, you know? And he right. says, well, I have the knowledge. So, you know, we we do try to get a little, even though it's a comedy, we try to get serious, um, right. a little philosophical. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, that is, it's, uh, that's why I think all of those stories work is because everybody wants to live forever, right? Right. Or as long as we can. And- <laughs> was there a specific um, when you guys were writing it? Was there a specific event or maybe a movie or a story that kind of sparked the original idea that you guys had? Uh, there was an event that sparked the original idea. So, in nineteen, the year before we shot, uh, Robin and I were both living in Los Angeles, aspiring actors, and we took a job as PAs 
for the annual auto show, the big car show. And mm. it's that year it happened to be on the Fox lot. So we just, we're just a couple of PAs, just, you know, whatever job they ask a PA to do, whether it's sweep the floor, go run an errand, et cetera. So we're walking around the Fox lot on our time off and we come up across a big sound stage. And I mean, big, like enormously huge sound stage, completely empty in the middle of the sound stage, all by itself in this empty giant room is this 1950s pedestal hairdryer. <laughs> and I said to Robin, what does that look like to you? And on cue, we both said a brain transfer machine, you know, like we both <laughs> kind of said it at the same time. And that was kind of the spark. We, uh, I'll tell you this cause the statute of limitations is probably expired. Uh, at the end of our shift, I drove my car around and we grabbed that old hairdryer, threw it in the back <laughs> of my 1979 Ford Mustang. And, uh, and it became the uh, centerpiece and inspiration for the script. And actually it is the hairdryer uh, that Doc uses in the movie. Oh, nice. And uh, yeah, so we, we had it there in the room with us while we were writing and we stuck it in the movie and it just was, you know, that's sort of where it came from. You know, we'd always talked about, hey, we, we should make a movie. We should make a movie. You know, I mean, how many times have you said that with your friends? A million times. You know, <laughs> yeah. which we should, I mean, that's a common thing, you know, and we were just naive enough to do it. Uh, a lot of people said, please don't do this. It's, it's um, <laughs> you know, it's not always you... the soundest of investments, you know, putting money into uh, independent film. But I'm sure glad that our investors put their money in. Yeah, I feel like most of the time when they say no, when people, a lot of people say no, that's usually when you're like, no, that means I should do it. <laughs> that's it. You're right. That, that's exactly how we played it, too. Hey, there's a reason everyone's saying no, we should do this. Yeah. Um, was there any kind of uh, fear? Because since, since uh, it hadn't been seen in so long, uh, was there kind of a fear that maybe uh, the concept was dated or there might be a, not the response you wanted when you uh, put it into the festivals? There was certainly we were anxious because there's also a lot of jokes and we didn't know because we, right. I mean, really the only, the only few people who had seen it are like, you know, family or friends. So you, mm -hmm. you can't really trust them. I mean, they're going to love anything <laughs> right. you do. Right. Uh, so yeah, to see it, 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 to actually watch a group of strangers, you know, people that I don't know personally watch the movie. Yeah. It was very, I was, I was nervous. I was nervous, uh, but it, it went over, it went over really well. I think when the, we got the first big laugh, uh, Rod and I both just kind of took a big, okay, here we go. Um, yeah. And it's been very well received. We're, we're super happy. You know, there's been a few people who didn't like it, but that's just the way of the world. Right. Um, I think right, for the right. most part, the response has been, has been really good. Made us real yeah, happy. I think I think uh, I've noticed over. Uh, I know I do a lot of reviews and things of that sort, and I noticed that you know uh, people we they forget to watch a movie through the lens of what the movie is, and they have this mm -hmm. constant comparison to 
whatever they think is the best thing. And it's like you can't go into a movie and, like, if your favorite movie is The Godfather, every movie is not going to compare to The Godfather. Yeah. No. You have to That's watch sure. it through that lens that it's in. And what, which is why this movie is so great. It's it's fun. And um, I, I know what I did want to ask you. How much um, science did you guys, like, have to research <laughs> to kind of not put not – not much, Dom. <laughs> Not much. Uh, we made a lot of uh, just. I mean, we did maybe looked. You know, had some reference books there for to find some words and things. But we made up a lot of phrases. Uh, you know, burn the fizz modes up off the upper cranial core, and you know, <laughs> docs, turn off the power at the tricorder junction box, and you know, all kinds of kind of made up silly. Science. I mean, the doctor's laboratory is a very silly place. If you, if you recall, like for example, his power supply. He's got multiple ways to get power in his lab, <laughs> and it's and it's anything from you know a stack of nine, uh, you know, ever ready D cells, like you know, five hundred of them, or car <laughs> batteries, or a bicycle. You know how. Um, so uh, it's not. Really, no, we did not answer your question. I strung it way out longer than it needs to be. Like, no, we did not research a lot of science for it. No, it sounded good. So you know, good. It, it, I'm sure it could, it could pass from people who who aren't scientists. Um, yes, but yeah, no, I thought I thought it was I thought you guys did a, a lot of great things in the movie, and and it kind of, you know, it tickles that fancy of a classic horror fan or the sci-fi fan. I do like the, the back and forth, you know, to to the black and white and then mm-hmm. out of it. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of humor that's, uh, that, like, you have to watch it through that 80s lens, and, you know, it's just a, a good time. Like, I haven't, you know, a lot of horror movies, like, you know, they take themselves a little seriously, and I know that there's mm-hmm. a... Uh, Certain mess they're trying to get get to uh, or portray, but sometimes you just need that fun kind of horror that, like, you're like, oh, that's crazy, but also that's kind of funny, and that's what this movie provided. Yeah, I, like for that's a good point. The like the so Doc, he does break the fourth wall a couple of times, which yeah, um, you know, I mean, when you as, as soon as a character does that, you know that that it's pretty tongue in cheek. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, but but we were trying to spoof, you know, get kind of campy and spoof horror movies mm-hmm. a little bit, and uh, as well. Um, but it, you know, I'm glad that you think that it it uh, still holds up after all these years. I, I mean, I know the '80s is pretty popular in film right now, mm-hmm. so uh, that's uh, that's another thing we have working for us, I guess. Oh, for sure. Um, so since I've, yeah, your career after this is a lot of, uh, a lot of actually in my entire life, it's kind of weird talking to you right now <laughs> when I was looking through all your, I'm like, this is my, like, like my childhood when I was in middle school, when I was in high school now, like, right. you know, people don't know there's Simpsons, uh, family guy, Jumanji, Godzilla, the series, recess, men, men in black, black. The series. Uh, Clerks, yeah. the series. It's, Clerks, it's, the series. Uh, um, King of the Hill. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so you, and you watch all those shows, I, I take it that that was yeah. all on your viewing. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, uh, what can I, I, I say about it? Some, oh, I was, I was, uh, and I know some new, newer ones too, like, uh, disenchantment and then She-Ra, the princess of power. But I yes. know one thing with you, I didn't notice this position before. What exactly, uh, entails a timing director like what is your because when I put out research it seems like you kind of make sure it runs smoothly put out together and but I had never really noticed that uh position before that title before um, it's it's you're pretty you're uh you're you're pretty close so I'll tell you where the timing what the where the when the timing director came about it's mostly for television animation so in the 60s, kind of starting with Hanna-Barbera, they started sending work overseas to the Philippines, Korea, usually Asia, somewhere in Asia. Right. And the animation okay. was getting done overseas. And so that meant you don't have an animator here doing it. You right. Storyboard artist. But you have to have someone to direct the scene. So a uh, timing director directs the animation, the movement, um, the timing of everything. So um, we work with, uh, let me see how, so we work with exposure sheets and an exposure sheet looks like an Excel chart and with a okay. bunch of rows and every row represents one frame of film. And, and every, all the, our, the whole lingo is kind of an analog film speak, even though it's digital now. Uh, so it's right. 24 frames to a, per second, um, right. 16 frames to a foot of film. And it's, this is the, the language is all done analog, but, uh, so it represents, we, I know I'm I completely lost you. Uh, we, oh, we no, direct, no, no. I'm good. we direct the action and the movement and, uh, add blinks and shoulder shrugs and head bobs. And, okay. uh, we determine how many in between drawings, between the key poses. So if Homer is standing with his hands on his hip and that's the first pose, and then he has to go down onto his knee, we say when that happens within the scene, maybe if there's dialogue, it might be keyed to dialogue or some other action, how many in-betweens to get to that next pose. And if, it's a, if it moves like a slow out, so that it'll kind of have a snap to it or slow in, so it'll have right. a cushion to it. Then we'll add uh, uh, head bobs and uh, eye blinks and shoulder shrugs. We direct the animation. That's basically what it is. And then we include camera moves and the dialogue. And what we end up with is a blueprint for the entire scene. And that is sent overseas and they just execute our direction frame by frame. They don't interpret wow. it or put any spin on it. They just say, okay, it starts with this pose. There's this many drawings to get to the next pose. A blink happens here. Here's a head bob, right? And then there's also on that same sheet all of the dialogue with all the mouth shapes and mouth positions um, so that, you know, we're listening to the track and assigning lip, right. lip assignment. And then any kind of camera moves, if there's a pan or a, or a truck in or a truck out or a multiplane camera move. So all of that information becomes the overseas 
animator's blueprint for the scene. It's a way that we can maintain control uh, of the product, right? So we're sending it to uh, overseas. They might not understand our sense of humor or a particular right. joke. So we've got to we've got to dictate it. And if, you know, there's a language that goes with it. Uh, it uh, I wish I wish if we were on uh, Zoom or Skype or something, I could show you an example of the sheet. Uh, it's all filled out with like squiggly lines. There's like a whole language to it, and uh, that's right. what it is. It's directing directing the animation scene by scene, frame by frame, and then on paper, and then it's sent overseas and executed by a staff of animators that that follow our direction. So that seems- that's what it is. Intensely intricate. (laughs) It is. It's very, it's, you know, it's very anal. You know, it's when you're like one frame up, no, one frame down, no, one frame up, you know, it's, it is very intricate. And, and um, it's also very influential because we're the last people to, we compile all the material. We compile the models, we compile the storyboard, we compile the effects, we put everything together into this blueprint so you have, you know, you have influence over what you see on screen, direct influence. Right. And uh, I loved it. I, I it was, it's, it's been a amazing career for me. I really, really have enjoyed it. And yeah, uh, my and, daughter, and my daughter, like... my daughter is about your age, so I don't mind dating myself. But she, <laughs> the things you said, you know, that was her as well. When she was growing up, she would watch the shows that I was working on, which is very cool. And now when I go to parties at her house, her friends like you come up to me and say, <laughs> hey, you know, you don't understand. I mean, I watch The Simpsons all the time, and it was my childhood, you know. That's really cool. I think that's really cool. I think Yeah, that's and, cool. I, and I'm glad that I added a uh... – timing director extraordinaire because that is an amazing job and it doesn't seem like that's one that just anybody can do. I mean, that's a lot that you have to, and I mean, essentially everything we see is like you said, your direct influence. Um, Yes. And it's uh, also specifically with 2d animation. Okay. Uh, Okay. Occasionally, occasionally with, with 3d or CG, but generally it's traditional 2d animation where, where you have uh, timing directors. She-Ra was a traditional 2D animation. Right. Um, so uh, Disenchantment is as well. Well, everything I worked on was, yeah. Or, I, you know, Simpsons movie was, um, yeah. Uh, so uh, I won't keep, to keep you too much longer. Uh, what uh, do you have on the, the horizon? Anything coming up anytime soon? Well, I, we just just wrapped the – when I say the latest season of Disenchantment, uh, you know, Netflix, they drop their shows kind of in an untraditional way, in the Netflix way where they'll put out right. six or 10 or 13, whereas, net, uh, like, on The Simpsons, a season would be 22 episodes, right? So right. if you say, oh, we do, we're going to do a season, that's 22 episodes. Well, Disenchantment is the same deal, 22 episodes for, for us in the studio the way it's released is a little different so we just i just finished the second season of disenchantment which is the the second batch of 21 21 or 22 shows um 
course, I didn't work on all of them. I, we have to rotate because when you have that many shows, and the, it takes so much time <laughs> to do animation. It's all overlapped. It's usually like one show starts, and then two weeks later, the next show starts, and you kind of overlap <laughs> them in production that way. Uh, so that's what I, I finished. And uh, I've taken a little break to work on uh, this movie to get this thing out released. And uh, I have been asked to go back to Disenchantment. We'll see uh, when they, they start back up. Uh, but, you know, the animation business is very healthy right now. As you can imagine, um, even right. with the pandemic, it's, it's a kind of job you can do at home. I mm. have home office with, with uh, computer in a Cintiq and, and uh, you know, it's, uh, it's real easy to do at home. Matter of fact, when, when this whole thing hit, like back in March, I guess, mm. when it really hit everybody, and we didn't miss right. a beat. I just, uh, you know, gathered up, gathered up my work and uh, went home and, and everything is, you know, we, we share files through, uh, I don't know, share file. I think that's what it's called. And um, that's how I get my storyboards. And then a runner will come out and deliver work and pick it up. It's, it's very efficient. I think uh, I, don't, I don't see a lot of studios going back. I, I think this is going to be kind of the wave of the future for yeah for a lot of comp- not just animation for a lot a lot of business um, people are finding yeah, it's out a big hey, reset. I can, yeah, I can work. I can do just as much and be just as productive working at home, and I don't have to sit in traffic every day. You know, going to work <laughs> and um, of course the you know like you said, I think it's important to get the kids back to school. <laughs> But uh, yeah. that'll come. That'll come. That'll come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, luckily, uh, their they're, they're friend right now is, you know, online gaming, so at least they can still kind of have some kind of communication. Uh, and they're used to that, to right? That's, that's, yeah, uh, yeah. That is uh, how young people today communicate um, <laughs> yeah. digitally. I think they prefer it that way, <laughs> it seems like. Yeah, Sure. I can I can see that. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you uh, stopping by and giving us some time. Um, and everyone, anytime, please. And listen, you know we are. I just want to invite you and your listeners. We're to come check us out. We're on all the like social media websites, all social media sites: Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. Everything is at Siegfried's Brain. All one word, Siegfried's Brain, at Siegfried's Brain, and you will find us. And um, I wish I could tell you, hey, you can go stream it right this second, but I will, I promise you, I will, as soon as I have that date, I'm going to follow up with you, Dom, and sure. uh, give you all the details on that. Um, there's a Blu-ray available. You'll, you'll, if anyone goes to our, our website, they'll, they'll see that information, and they'll also get the updates on when it's available to stream and where. Yeah, and everyone, if you if you can get the Blu-ray, House Sitter, the night they save Siegfried's brain, and as soon as he lets us know, we will let you know. Um, yep. And again, the trailer, thanks. the trailers on YouTube. You can go check out the trailer on YouTube. It's it's a lot of fun, and, uh, and that'll also put you in contact with us uh, for any updates on streaming. Yeah, and it's I definitely think it's a. Uh, a must-see movie, especially during the month of October. It's good fun. 
Uh, if you can get with your friends, it's a good movie to watch with uh, multiple people because you know when you want to when you laugh, you want to laugh with others. <laughs> right. Good call. Good call, Dom. Yeah, that's right. Well, thank you very so, uh, much for having me. I really appreciate yeah, I appreciate it. Thank yeah, you man. For your uh, you're now even more a part of my my life. So uh, I appreciate you uh, talking to me. Excellent. I, I love to hear that. I really do. You'll uh, and uh, yeah, have to, I'll have to get your email address. Uh, see if I can send oh, yeah. you something. Um, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll send it to. Who do we talk to? Uh, your October Coast. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I'll send Great it. PR. I'll send it that way. Awesome. Thanks, man. But yeah, good talking to you, and uh, we'll talk again. Okay. Thank you, Dom. I'll be in touch. All right. All right. All right. Take care. Have a good one. You too.